It's good to see all of you today. We are going to be studying from the minor prophet Joel today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Joel. Might have to look in the table of contents for that one. It's tucked away nicely in the Old Testament. And when we say minor prophet, what we mean by that is that it is a smaller book. It's not a long book like Isaiah or Jeremiah. And so we call the book of Joel a minor prophet. So we're going to study from that. But before we get into the text, I want to talk about clocks. Clocks are important. And I know that all of you are grateful for the clock back there because it helps me uh, finish up on time so that all of you can go to lunch. And so it keeps me straight. And if that clock doesn't work, then I don't know when you're going to get out of here. And it has a beautiful chime. Sometimes you can hear that chime that that clock has. But clocks are interesting. Time is interesting, isn't it? Some people think that time is just merely a construction of human invention. But actually, time is based on what? On the revolution of the earth around the sun. So you could argue... That time is no mere construction of human invention, but it's actually because of God and the planetary motions and so on. Time is based on the Earth's orbit around the sun. But time's important. I once heard a story about a man, he walked by this jewelry store every day, and he would set his clock, his watch, to the clock that was in the jewelry store window. And one day he happened to pass by and he saw the jeweler in the store. And he said, oh, I see that you set your clock by my clock. And he says, what do you do for a living? And he said, well, I'm the watchman at the plant down the street. And it's my job to blow the five o'clock whistle every day. And the jeweler was startled because he says, hey, you can't do that. He said, I set my clock by the whistle. What you have is two men setting their clocks to each other. And sometimes we see that in our world today, don't we? Is that we don't set our clocks to the real time. We set our clocks to other people. But what I want to tell you about is another clock. And this one is not quite as funny. This one is called the doomsday clock. Now, the book of Joel is a book of darkness and kind of ominous. But the doomsday clock was not invented by the prophet Joel. No, in fact, the doomsday clock was invented in 1947 by members of the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. So the people who created this clock were not prophets, were not preachers, they were scientists. And it's a metaphor for how near we are to a global catastrophe. The original setting of the clock in 1947 was seven minutes till midnight. Midnight being a catastrophic, cataclysmic event. It has been reset 23 times over the course of its life. In 1953, we were two minutes away from midnight. And the furthest we've been from midnight was in 1991. 
right after the Cold War had ended, we were 17 minutes away from midnight. But now, we're back to two minutes away from midnight. I didn't come up with that. The prophet Joel did not come up with that. But the atomic scientists came up with that. And they said this, it is exacerbated this year by the increased use of information warfare to undermine democracy around the world, amplifying the risk from these and other threats, and putting the future of civilization in extraordinary danger. Wow. That sounds pretty scary to me. (coughs) It's ominous. It's a warning. And it sounds a little bit similar to the prophet Joel who said this in Joel 3.14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Why would Joel write such an ominous promise? One of the things that had happened in the history of Israel close to the prophet here was that a plague of locusts had come into the country. It talks about it in chapter 1, verse 4. It says this, What the chewing locusts left, the swarming locusts have eaten. What the swarming locusts left, the crawling locusts have eaten. And what the crawling locusts left, the consuming locusts have eaten. And what they found was is that these locusts came into Israel and they had eaten up all the land and the land was laid to waste. And people were hungry. It started a famine. And so the prophet Joel used this opportunity. He says, if you think this is bad, there's a day of judgment coming to Israel. Because many times over the course of the history of Israel, Israel had sunk into idolatry like all of the rest of the pagan countries. And he says, listen, I want to use this opportunity to tell you if you don't get right now, You're going to get right later because the Lord will judge you. Judgment. It's something that we desire, don't we? In some sense, we do desire justice. When we see someone who is wronged, when we see someone who is hurt, when we see someone who has done wrong, we want to see justice happen for that person, don't we? We desire accountability. We desire justice. We desire vindication. We desire that rights and wrongs are settled. Jesus talked about a widow in Luke chapter 18 who came to a wicked judge and begged over and over again for justice. And Jesus says that's an evil judge and He eventually eventually gives in to the plead of the widow. And he says this, listen. And shall God not avenge His own elect who cry out day and night to Him though He bears long with them? You see, when we see someone hurt, when we see someone killed, when we see someone raped, we desire justice, don't we? And there is a day of judgment where all of humanity will stand accountable for God. A day of reckoning. And so Joel, this book, is a little bit doom and gloom. 
But within the book, there are prophecies and there are brilliant lights of hope within it. And so today, I want to tell you not about the doom and the gloom, because you know about it. I mean, you can look in the newspaper and you can find the atomic doomsday clock set and we're two minutes away from destruction. You know the doom and gloom, don't you? But I want to tell you what Joel says is the answer to that ominous feeling that we have. Number one, he says, there is hope in repentance. There's hope in repentance. Look at chapter 2 and listen to these words. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all of your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. The first hope that we can have in this life is in the repentance because this gets at this issue that I need direction in my life. I need God's direction in my life. I need something outside of myself. And we ought to ask ourselves, who are we setting our clocks to? Who am I setting my watch to? Am I setting it to you? Are you setting it to me? Am I setting it to the United States government? Am I I setting it to the media? Am I setting it to to the preacher? Because if I'm setting it to all those things, who are they setting their clocks to? Jeremiah said, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walketh to direct his own steps. I need an absolute outside of myself. Have you ever been at the red light? And the cars beside you start moving and you start feeling like you're moving. You know, put on the brakes again. Because your point of reference is off. And you see, the same thing can happen to us morally when we don't have a reference point outside of ourselves. We begin to lose sight of where we are and who we are. Some person once likened it into a compass. And so a lot of people say, you've got a compass within you. And they say, you need to set your compass towards yourself. But let me ask you this. If you get lost in the woods and you have a compass that always points to yourself, are you going to be able to find your way out of the woods? In the woods, and when you're lost, you need a compass that doesn't point to yourself but points to true north. And that's what repentance is. And the most progressive people are the people who repent. I want to give you the words of C.S. Lewis. Listen to this. If you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back the soonest is the most progressive man. If you're walking down the wrong road, and you're not going to where you want to go, you need to turn around. I know you've heard your GPS do it to you. We can all admit that. But the most progressive person is the one who turns around and does an about face. And that's what repentance is. That I have been living according to my self-will, doing what I want to do. And it's taken me to places I don't want to go. I need to do an about face and become a true progressive man and repent. And at the heart of repentance is the heart. And what the prophet tells us is that 
Don't rend your garments. And that's what men and women would do back then. They would rent their clothes when they were sorrowful. He said, rent your heart. And there needs to be a time in our lives to where our hearts break. It needs to break for the suffering we see in the world. Our hearts need to break for the hungry, for the thirsty, for the lonely, for the hurting. It begins in the heart, doesn't it? And there's a hope that as our hearts break, we will help heal others. There's a hope in that. And there's also in, in the prophet of Joel, in chapter 2, there is this prophecy that he gives about the church. And so not only is there hope in repentance, there's hope in the church. Look at verses 28 and following of chapter 2. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And so this is the advent of the Holy Spirit that happens in His church. Jesus said it like this, you're born of the water and of the Spirit. And the church represents that Holy Spirit presence in His church. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 7, 37, out of the heart will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit is about the church. And what you also see in this passage is, is the universality of the church. He says, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. You see, it's not just about the Jewish people anymore. It's not about just the people who look like you or the people we want it to be about. But Jesus says, and the prophet says here, that it, the church is for all people everywhere. For Jews and Gentiles. Paul said it like this. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. So we also see within the church an egalitarian spirit that no longer is it just for men. No longer is it just for a certain nationality. But the promise is for all people everywhere. And that's what the church is about. The church is about everyone. One person once said, the church is the only institution that exists for those who are outside of it. Isn't that interesting? But we see this egalitarian spirit. And he says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved in verse 32. Fast forward. Hundreds of years later, on the day of Pentecost, Peter quotes this same passage and says, this is fulfilled today that the Holy Spirit is being poured out. And as soon as he quoted it, as soon as he said it, and you shall call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, he said this, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs. Call upon the name of the Lord. And what we find is that in Acts chapter 2, 38 and 41, that the people received the Word and were baptized, born of the water and of the Spirit, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's hope in that. There's hope in the church amidst the doom and gloom we see in this world. Lastly, 
There is a hope in the end. Now when I talk and look at those writings about the doomsday clock, I don't see any writings that talk about hope. I talk, they talk about maybe trying to postpone it. But I don't see a lot of hope in the end. But Joel says there is a hope in the end. He says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon will grow dark and the stars will diminish their brightness. The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter His voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake. But the Lord will be a shelter for His people and the strength of the children of Israel. There's a hope in the end. A lot of times when we've talked about this valley of decision, we've talked about it being our choice. And of course, there is a choice for each of us to make every day in choosing God and choosing what's right. Every day is a valley of decision, isn't it? But what the prophet Joel is saying here is that we're not in our own valley of decision, but we're in God's valley of decision. That we're standing before God in judgment. And now it's His time to choose. I've had my time to choose. I've had my life to choose. And now it's God's time to choose. Peter said it like this, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. No one knows when it's coming. And the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat, but the earth and the works will be burned up. If I stopped there, it would be pretty ominous and scary, wouldn't it? But it says this, Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. There will be a day when God will right the wrongs that I have done. There will be a day where God will judge humanity with righteous judgment. So my question to you, is it really two minutes to midnight? And what I believe the Word tells us, it's not two minutes to midnight, it is midnight. It is time to choose Him today. And that's what the Bible says. It says, today is the day of salvation. Choose whom you will serve this day. And I don't know when the Lord will come again. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I do know who I believe in. And God is a good God who loves us and who desires to be with us. And we need to trust in Him. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. And I give over my pride, I give over my will to His will and say, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you a Christian this morning? If you look to yourself and if you look to the world, what you're going to find is despair. But when you look in God's Word, you will find hope. 
You will find hope in repentance. You will find hope in the church. And you will find hope at the very end of time. You will find hope in Christ. Christ is a loving God. Maybe you are a Christian today and you desire prayers of healing or encouragement. We want to assist you in that. So we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. If you have any need at all, won't you come now as together we stand and as we sing.